the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Happy May 12, 2021. Reforming the Republican Party, reclaiming the Republican Party, cleansing the Republican Party, burying the Republican Party. These are the headlines the mainstream media wants to dominate the political discussion right now. You see, after all, didn't Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama and Joe Biden tell Americans for years that the Republican Party was a party of extremists or extreme ideas? That was the praise by the way, sometimes we, sometimes something like half of us were or are deplorable. We cling to such anachronisms as Bibles and guns. We are in the states moving backwards, as Clinton, Obama, and Biden have all said. So now the wise have awoken, their slumber has been shaken, and they want to save the Republican Party from itself so that what? They can lose more if it becomes more popular? or so that more likely it is ground to dust, thrown out of the arena of respectable repartee and politics, buried in the ground, plowed over with salt, poured on top. This is not new. It's not a new problem. It's not a new tactic. After all, three months into this revolutionary presidency, that a Middle East, having been pacified, is now a fire. Three months into this revolutionary new presidency, the southern border on its way to solidification, is now a fire. Three months into this new presidency, we have gas lines for the first time in nearly half a century. Oh, inflation and unemployment are on the rise as well. But the successes of the past four years must be so thoroughly traduced that its political party must be decimated, right? If you think that makes no sense, I show you the times. Does anyone with a modicum of common sense or the ability to cogitate truly think a party leader that won the most amount of votes of any sitting president standing for re-election? Does anyone think that a party that can do that needs to radically transform itself? Does anyone with a modicum of common sense or the ability to cogitate, truly think a party leader who could fill every stadium he went to, even amidst COVID, and could win record numbers of minorities, not to mention the votes of 74 million other people should be sent to Coventry or washed out of the Argean stables? Thus, we get to a New York Times article today titled, quote, Over 100 Republicans, including former officials, threatened to split from the GOP, close quote. Now, guess who the group leader is? Oh, okay. First, yes. Let's have a good laugh, that headline, over 100 Republicans, as if that number should be taken seriously in a party whose membership constitutes at least 1.5 million members in just Arizona. Now, guess who the group leader is, as I say? His name is Miles Taylor. I recognize maybe two other names listed in the article. Oh, you don't recall who Miles Taylor was or is. Really, it's a was. And it lasted about a day. 
He wrote that anonymous op-ed in the New York Times a few years, few years back saying he was a highly placed Trump administration official who, with others, were thwarting the president as part of their patriotic duty to save the country from his madness. He was described as a member of the senior staff at the White House. He turned out to be the chief of staff to the secretary of Homeland Security, a position nobody would ever consider senior staff in a White House, a position nobody even knew really existed. He got a book. He got a gig at CNN. But he doesn't get America or the Republican Party, or at least not the conservative movement that is paid tribute to in fueling and animating the party. Which, of course, brings us to the story of Liz Cheney. I've not said much about it because I don't think much of it. You tell me who the last conference chair was of the Republican House caucus. You cannot. It matters little other than honorifically and in corralling votes. That said, don't let the media make this about something it's not. Just a couple of months ago, the GOP voted to leave Cheney in her position after she voted to impeach Donald Trump and was only one of about a dozen Republicans to do so. This is different, and it's not about Donald Trump, though she wants it to be and though the mainstream media want it to be. It's about her continuing to make her job about Donald Trump and continuing to lambast the party when the job is to take on the opposition. When your own house is your enemy by your own declaration, you can't very well be expected to line up the members of that house as a unified caucus and bring others along to join it, can you? It was about partisan and political incompetence. Though don't get me wrong, the Democrats in the media would love an ineffective person in GOP leadership. Let's keep that in mind when they keep talking about why Liz Cheney should have stayed in her position. When the Democrats in the media want you to have a leader you don't want, the map and the ground are in, dis in disagreement, and thus the map is wrong. Well, then, of course, the party has moved so far right, it's unrecognizable even to a Cheney. Let's drop a few pretenses, shall we? Dick Cheney is what made the family famous name. Lynn was great, but it was Dick that made the family name. Not too many chairmans of the National Endowments of the Humanities that are remembered. And Dick Cheney always at least was always known as, until 2001, a moderate from the moderate wing of the Republican Party. For goodness sakes, he was Gerald Ford's chief of staff and, De and defense secretary to George H.W. Bush. But for the second Gulf War, Iraq, and the effort to turn him into Darth Vader, especially as President George W. Bush was termed out, He'd be as remembered as Dan Quayle and his son, who was a member of the House. Not too remembered, right? Perhaps because one was conservative and one really wasn't. In other words, the left was right to go after the Quayles because they were conservatives. The Cheney family, not so much. But to say Dick Cheney's signature issue, an issue and position backed by the likes of Christopher Hitchens, John McCain, and Joe Lieberman is the heart and soul of conservatism is just wrong. And the elements of the party that believed in regime change have become the true anachronisms. 
But still, we're told, nonetheless, the party is too extreme and right-wing. It needs cleansing of a divisive, race-baiting, science-denying ethos and set of representatives, spokespeople. You want to know what I say? Sorry, but you can choke on it. I'll accept the mantle of science denial when you tell me why you don't talk about the due date of your fetus when you are pregnant. Oh, you don't say fetus because everyone says baby? Don't tell me about science, life, and death. Don't tell me about denying science when it comes to our children's health or our public's mental health. You are the team. You are the side that ruined it. I'll accept the mantle of divisive when you explain to me just what in anything Newt Gingrich or Donald Trump or Rush Limbaugh or anyone on this channel ever said that was remotely close to related to what Adolf Hitler said or did. Find me a Republican who told a black audience their Democratic opponent wanted to put that black audience back in chains. Race baiting? I'll accept the mantle of race baiting when you explain to me how using a person's race to determine eligibility for anything and denying eligibility for anything based on race has any relationship to the moral dictionary's entry on equality or equity. I'll accept the mantle of race baiting when you explain to me how teaching children racial differences are meaningful has any relationship to the moral dictionary's entry on child rearing or even just plain old decency. So what of an ideology too far right of the country as they claim it? Is conservatism today right of its past? Of course it's not. Harry Jaffa once said the Goldwater campaign became respectable because of the election of Ronald Reagan. And what president or presidential candidate spoke more like Goldwater and Reagan and supported more of their agendas than anyone other than Donald Trump. For those who know their history, they know this to be true. Try it this way. The movement, um, excuse me, the maiden issue of National Review in the 1950s proclaimed the conservative movement stood against four major trends. The growth of government, coexistence, William Buckley's word, with our enemies, intellectual liberal elitism, and United Nations and World Organization deference. I'm not sure Ronald Reagan spoke as much about all these things as much as Donald Trump did. This always had me curious as to why National Review could be so opposed to Donald Trump as it was. But it is the opposition that is out of sync with the history of modern conservative movements and not today's Republican Party as the mainstream medium and the left describe and hate it. Why wouldn't you hate if you were a liberal or a leftist? Why wouldn't you hate a movement that has succeeded in concretizing and reifying William F. Buckley's original dreams, concerns, desiderata, and lifelong work? Dr. Jaffa once put it that one can sum up the Democratic Party as this. Extremism is no vice if it is in the defense of an ever larger federal bureaucracy, racialism, invented rights, federally funded abortions, and aid to countries that burn the American flag and organizations in America that burn the American flag, too. Moderation is no virtue when attacking America. Thus, I think it is the media's and left's opposition to today's Republican Party and conservative movement that is out of sync with constitutionalism, common sense, and I'd still like to believe the vast majority of the American people. I may be wrong on that last point. As you know, I debate it internally and with you all here, all 
the time. But if I am wrong and the conservative movement and Republican Party do not represent the vast majority of the American people, then no movement, if it remains dedicated to the Western ethos of reason and the principles of the Declaration of Independence, no movement or party dedicated to those things will ever be able to govern here or save this, the last best hope of Earth. I'm Seth Leapson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, 602-508-0960. Got a lot to do today. Uh, let's see who we got coming up. We've got David Schweikert coming up. We've got Wendy Rogers. She's going to talk to us about the audit that's been uh, taking place here. And Dr. Tevi Troy is going to join us in the third hour on these efforts to create or decimate the current uh, Republican Party, uh, whether we're talking about the New York Times or uh, the Democratic Party's uh, efforts to um, to encourage Republicans to defect and Republicans who seem to think it's uh, bait worth swallowing, defecting from what has been traditional conservatism for as long as I have understood what conservatism in the modern era is, basically beginning in about 1950. Anyway, we can talk more about that if you like. I, um, I want to also mention that we are doing this great event on May 25th here in Scottsdale with Mike Gallagher and Andy Biggs. Andy and Mike and I are going to the border uh, the day before. We're going to do kind of a fact-finding mission with Andy like I did with him a couple years ago. Then on May 25th, uh, you join us here in Scottsdale, talk about it, and – the progressive issues that we face of which the border is but one species in that larger genus uh, of problems. So Andy Biggs, Mike Gallagher, myself, uh, 960thepatriot.com is where you can get, uh, get your tickets, 960thepatriot.com. The, um, the Republican conference has not selected a new leader just yet, um, and – there's been talk it might be Elise Stefanik. I've seen some other names thrown around. I, I'll tell you what's going to be interesting, and I think I'm going to be right about this. When the Republicans select that person, uh, it won't be much news. It just won't be. Um, it, 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 and, and yet, if the position were that important, that's what would make the news, right? Not just Liz Cheney's uh, exit from it, but who fills it, right? If it's an important position— if it says something big, then we really ought to know who's filling it, and that ought to be big news too. It won't be. It won't be. Just best guess prediction uh, that it won't be because we are now in, with the Cheney situation, a very, very standard typical what you might call laugh line. Laugh line. This is yet one more effort to take the last worst Republican – and turn them into the sainted martyr by which you batter the current Republican. In other words, uh, if you read New York Times, Washington Post editorials, listen to the liberal commentariat during the 1980s, Ronald Reagan was a senile warmonger who flirted with fascism. 
uh, once he died, oh, if only the current Republican president or party could be more like Ronald Reagan. Uh, this happened with Barry Goldwater. Uh, this happened to Ronald Reagan. George H.W. Bush it happened to. And this thing with Dick Cheney is – and the Cheney family. Oh, if they could only – only if they could only be as um, – Public service oriented and high minded in um, in the name of preserving the republic beyond partisan politics like the Cheneys, like the Cheneys. Yes, yes, yes. He, the Darth Vader who couldn't go out in public. Yes. Now the uh, favored political family, just like the Kennedys, don't you know, in Washington, D.C., if you ask the Washington Post or Nancy Pelosi. Uh, th- th- this this is this is this is a laugh line not to please fall for. I'm I'm asking you not to. All you have to do, all you have to do when you see these media and Democratic Party salutes to these former Republicans who are being used to batter the current Republicans, know that the current Republicans will one day get their due in that pantheon as well. Because someday there will be another Republican president not named Donald Trump, and they will say, not even Donald Trump did X. Not even Donald Trump would consider Y. Not even Donald Trump did Z. It's always the dead or out-of-power Republican that is being used. But in order not to fall for this, use your favorite web browser, DuckDuckGo. Google, whatever you use, and just go and read the editorials of what was said about these leaders when they were in power. The memory that the Democrats count on us to have is a very, very, very addled short-term one. But the party of the elephant, you know, ironically enough, should be the party that doesn't forget things. Our memory should be a little bit longer than last week. Our memory should be a little bit longer than taking seriously the indictment that our party is responsible for exacerbating racial tensions in this country. You find me the Republican leader, as I said in my monologue, you find me the Republican leader who said anything close to as insulting, absurd, and um, infradignant, below dignity, beneath dignity, infradig as the other side wants to put you back in chains in front of a black audience. You find me the Republican leader that said anything like that ever. But we're the ones, of course, who exacerbate racial tensions in this country. Because, of course, we're teaching two-year-olds, you know, that their race matters, that pigmentation triumphs over character, that pigmentation triumphs over effort and work and personality, and attitude, and soul. Yeah, I'm not going to take this from them, and neither should you. Well, there's a little culture for you as we do our culture and economy update with the great John Dombrowski, president and founder of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. 
His website is grandcanyonplanning.com. He has a radio show here on 960 every Saturday morning at 7 a.m., The Word on Wealth. John Dombrowski's website is grandcanyonplanning.com. How are you, John? Excellent. How are you doing, Seth? Yeah, you always are. You just you just wake up and the day and you know the devil runs. I love it. I love it. I love it. That's, that's just got to have a good attitude. That's half the battle. Uh, it is. It really is. The attitude is important. We we're telling kids race is important. I think at, they need to learn more about attitude than about race. Um, yeah. So things change quickly here. Uh, gas lines, unemployment, inflation, concerns all up, John. What are we supposed to be worried about? What would you tell us to worry and not worry about? What signs should we look for? Walk us through what looks like the Carter administration. Well, let's hope not. But okay. U.S. Consumer Price Index rose uh, six-tenths of a percent, they said, in March versus a half of a percent increase that they expected. So a little bit higher than expected. Consumer price uh, index, basically what we're talking about, Seth, is these are the things that, uh, you know, the price of goods, right, goods and services. Yes, so, you know, what do we think about when we think about inflation is is changing of prices for, for everything that we consume. As, as uh, you know, we think today, we hear all these, these stories about the cost of lumber, the cost of copper, the cost of labor increasing. Now the cost of gas due to the pipeline. We talked about that yesterday that had gotten uh, hacked. But uh, it looks like uh, they've restarted operations on the Colonial Pipeline after the ransomware attack. And they feel that over the next few days they'll get this up and running again, which is good. They were hoping to get it up and running by the weekend. Hopefully that is the case. Should help a little bit with gas prices, which have surged here in this short uh, period of time. Also worth yeah. noting, the gas price surge did start before. It the, did. Right. A little, yeah. Yep, yeah. a little bit before, but that certainly didn't help. Oh, no, 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 absolutely not. But gas was already going up because other prices were too, right? Yes. Uh, there's so many things that we think about. The cost of food has been going up, certain areas of food. Um, you know, with, with the challenge that the restaurants are facing too right now, Seth, not being able to find labor, just think about this. The cost of of, of their business is is going to go up because they can't produce enough revenue to cover the the overhead that they have. Right. So they're going to have to begin potentially raising prices on on food in restaurants, uh, which again is going to be inflationary to the consumers as well as then okay we want to give our servers tips if they provide good service to us. Of course, we give them a percentage of that, and if the food is more expensive, then our tips are going to be greater. So as a consumer, it seems like everything's going up. One of the things I haven't seen go up, and this is just me personally, um, I haven't seen like my automobile insurance rates go up yet. Oh, interesting. But I do believe that we're seeing the cost of vehicles go up. Yep. We're have, it's difficult. You know, the cost of used vehicles are higher, so yep. if they've got a higher value, the replacement value is going to be higher. It's very possible we'll start to see some insurance rates going up, as well as house insurance. So everything almost is going to become more expensive. It seems like we're in this period of time when inflation is certainly knocking on the door. Now, we could look at the opposite side. We could play the opposite side of this and say things are going to get so expensive, people will pull back on their spending. Yeah. Now, people pull back on spending, then demand is lessened. Therefore, the cost of things could eventually start to, you know, swing back. The pendulum could swing back. And that's very possible because there are some of the experts out there, so-called experts, that are talking not only a short-term inflation bump, but then possibly a pullback into another deflationary uh, scenario. So 
it's going to be a, a wait-and-see type of a scenario uh, at this point. Do you think the, but, the response to COVID caused so much of this, whether it was supply chain and, and, and costs of materials and prices people uh, are willing to pay to get services that uh, are, hard, are having a hard time finding employees? Is that, is that what is charging some of this, John? It has to be, Seth. Yeah. You, can't, you can't discount any of that. Yeah. I mean, there are so many factors uh, that are pushing in this direction at the moment that we have to get the economy open. That's going to be a key to hopefully, um, you know, putting putting a little bit of a halt to this inflationary uh, scenario that we're talking about. Thank you, John Dombrowski. Yeah, but, but it certainly wasn't good for the stock market today. No, no. Let's pick up on that next yeah, time. Yeah, and we can right. talk about that. If and folks want to contact me, reach out to me and meet, certainly go to our website, GrandCanyonPlanning.com. You bet. You have a lot of ideas and strategies, yep. especially when it comes to hedging against inflation. Thank you, John. Yes. Yep, Securities and Advisory Services offered to Client One Securities LLC, a member of FinRen Pacific and an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Client One Securities LLC are not affiliated. We'll talk tomorrow. There was an interesting thing in history today, John. What was that? I didn't check. Yeah, in 1935, how many years ago is that, Bill? 1935, Alcoholics Anonymous was founded in Akron, Ohio. It's hot. It's, I think. 86 years ago today. 86, yeah. I think it's hard to find uh, too many social service organizations that have had more positive impact than that one. Agreed. Pretty cool. All right, J.D., bless you, sir. All right, bye-bye. 602-508-0960. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. I just did something I'm struggling with. I've never done it before. I have these earbuds I use for my earphones, and I just dropped half of them, one of them, my left ear, into the drink, into my <laughs> to my iced tea here. Let's <laughs> let that dry off. We're going to broadcast with one ear here for this segment. That's just fine. I, I mentioned this to John. I've heard Dennis do shows on this. Um, I do mean that seriously. I'm open to other um, suggestions because it's important, I think, to promote uh, civil institutions. De Tocqueville said they were the magic uh, which made America work, uh, uh, our civic institutions. Um, and I uh, and yes, so 86 years ago today, I think maybe the most one of the most uh, publicly and individually beneficial, one of the most impactful, positively impactful organization was founded. Uh, and as I understand the history, it was founded by uh, two guys who um, ran into each other, otherwise never would have crossed paths and shared their um shared their stories of addiction to uh, alcohol, and AA was born. That would have been, I suppose, the first AA meeting, two people gathering to uh, share their uh, experiences. And so it went on, and it's, a, it's, a, it's I, I, I know the program pretty well through uh, some work I've done and, and through uh, people I've known in and out of it. Uh, and and I got to tell you, for the price of a dollar, um, which is, I th- think, what, the meetings still ask you to help contribute to pay for the coffee. That's about it. Um, you get a, a, a minimum of an hour a day's worth of uh, the kind of therapy um, you can't get if you paid 350 or 450 or $500 an hour for. 
and um, many lives have been changed. It's an interesting thing. I, I, I didn't mean to go here. I'll get back to politics in a minute, but as long as we're on this culture thing for a moment, I, I, this might be an interesting thing for Dennis to do, Bill. Do you want to send it up to uh, to uh, who, who's 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 whoever you think is right, whoever you think is right, and it could be male female. It could be a blend of male female and ultimate issues. But it's a it's an interesting collision of things here, isn't it? What will Dennis tell you on the male female hour about whether adults can change? You know, will you change someone's behavior by marrying them or whatever, right? That's a, That's got to be a regular t- topic on Dennis's show. And I think what you will hear is that it's awfully hard, awfully hard to expect that. You know where you see adults change everything? Through groups like AA when they stick through into it. That, uh, Dennis has given Dev, Dennis's fondness for AA. He's not in it. He just – I know he respects it, I've heard. Um, given Dennis's fondness for the AA program, Alcoholics Anonymous, and the view that it's so hard for adults to change, what is that magic there? What is that bridge that works there? Um, and in some respects, I suppose it's it's uh, it's power in numbers. By some, it's power in something greater than yourselves. It's the it's the um, suppression of pride. It's the suppression of pride um, and ego. Um, I think I heard a phrase come out of an AA meeting once about uh, ego. Uh, no, self will run riot. That's 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 what an addict is. Self will run riot. Didn't mean to spend too much terribly time on it, but in a world where it's awfully hard, awfully hard for addicts to um, obtain, much less than maintain sobriety. AA, um, the old one of the oldest of them, I still think does one of the best jobs. And certainly, given the price, you hear people who have gone through those programs for years and years and years taking them seriously, and you kind of want to say to yourself, "I wish I could buy the whole world an AA meeting." Uh, people who go through AA successfully, in my experience, in my experience, as people who have conquered addictions generally. And overcome them, in my experience, oddly enough, um, uh, seem to me about one or two standard deviations more creative, successful, kind, and decent than the average human being. And maybe it's the difference of someone who has uh, gone through hell and come out. Maybe it just it does that for you. Um, maybe it tempers you uh, for those that were lucky enough to get out. This is why I talk a lot about prevention, too because recovery is so dang hard, so dang hard. Uh, you look at the um, a- any social research or social science research on the success of rehab organizations, be they AA or for-profit, the, the numbers are surprisingly low because it is so hard to break an addiction. That's why I work on the prevention side. But I salute and tip my hat to those uh, in AA and to the uh, – 86th uh, year of its uh, existence and birth, having saved many lives and um, made um, the world a better place. Um, happy birthday, AA. Anyone in uh, in it or involved in it or uh, want to share their experiences? Happy to do that. Totally happy to do that. 602-508-0960. I know several people whose lives it has saved, and I uh, have done a pretty deep dive into it understanding it myself and uh, there is a magic there so bless those magicians um 
what is it I heard today? This is great. I heard uh, a Fox News commentator uh, in talking about the uh, the uh, Israel-Palestinian conflict uh, that's taking place right now. Uh, say it's uh, wonder- wonderful and one thing for everyone to talk about um, uh, the uh, the proportionality uh, with which um, Israel is responding, but you know at least. They have a state, and it's hard to criticize those who don't have a state for acting disproportionately because they act with what they have. Um, this is an ex- this is defining terrorism down. This was said by Maurice Scharf on Fox News earlier today. This is defining terrorism down and evil down. The point of which is it's okay if you're more powerful. That's the message. It's okay if you're more powerful to be more suicidal. And it is okay if you are less powerful to be more lethal. Is that really what you want to teach? Is that really the message here? The less powerful, the more lethal you should be? On top of which, it's a nonsensical argument. It's a nonsensical argument. The Palestinians have been offered their own state something like five times, from the Peel Commission in 1937 to the U.N. partition in 1947, to what Barack, uh, Ehud Barak offered them in uh, 2000, to what Bill Clinton offered them at Oslo, to what uh, Prime Minister Olmert offered in 2008. Time and again, the Palestinians have been offered a state. Time and again, they've turned it down. You can't claim mercy for being an orphan when you're the one who murdered your parents. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. Jim is in Phoenix. Hi, Jim. Hello, Seth. You uh, touched a chord with me in that talk about AA. Oh, did I? My father was um, was a terrible alcoholic. He was, uh, uh, well, to give you an example, uh, uh he would when, when he when he was not drinking he was absolutely stellar. He never did anything halfway. If he was drinking, he was drinking. He wasn't doing anything else. He was an extremist, he, sober or liquidate or liquid. Yeah. He, yes. I yes. Gotcha. And he would he would uh, sometimes be gone for thirty days or more. No kidding, a bender yeah. like that. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, and 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 he would come back and and be surprised that we were upset, like he'd just been out for <laughs> right. a loaf of bread or something. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right, that is anyway, typical addictive behavior, isn't it? Blame it, the victim. It, for it is. It's funny. Yeah, but it's tragic. But, but, but yes, of course it is. And I'm sorry for that chuckle. But those who got recovery no, have to look to back and that. laugh a little no. bit. Jim, tell me about how uh, how we got recovery and how long it lasted. Rest of his life, well, I hope. It it uh, uh, during his life, he strung together three periods of uh, oh, I don't know, around eight years or more yeah, of sobriety. sobriety. And he did so. Yeah only because of AA. Mm. And thank God, during my uh, really formative years from uh, 13 to 18, uh, he had one of those periods. Good. Uh, Good. And he was, he was, uh, he was a, a very uh, strong participant of the program, and he worked the program, and he knew that you had to work the program in order to, uh, in order to stay sober. It's a wonderful program, it and really ironically... Is, uh, yeah. 
here's what's funny. Um, well, unusual. So my brother um, turned out to be uh, run into some problems with the law and got himself incarcerated in uh, Kansas State Penitentiary and and ran into a program called the Seventh Step Program, which was based completely on the 12 steps of AA, mm-hmm. and it was founded by uh, a convict mm-hmm. uh, in, in, his, in his attempt to, uh, to help uh, ex-convicts remain ex-convicts mm-hmm. and become productive members of society using the same principles. Uh-huh. It's, it's, uh-huh. It's, it's profound stuff. They are great principles. Uh, as I say, I'd like to buy the world in AA meetings sometimes. Thank you, Jim. Uh, Oscar Wilde said, every saint has a past, just as every sinner has a future. Of all the quotes, that may be the deep down most important one we use around here. Every saint has a past, just as every sinner has a future. David Schweiker coming right up. We'll be right back. <laughs> 